Please take a seat, everybody. And let me say uh, good morning to you and a happy new year. If it's not too late to say such a thing, I guess some people are pretty tight on, um, on the old uh, happy new years. It's, it's, it's the 1st of, first of January and no more, but hey, I'm going large on that and probably will all the way through January. Um, as Ben said a moment ago, uh, we're thinking this morning about memory. Memory is a powerful thing, is it not? Uh, so let's do a little thought experiment uh, to get ourselves uh, going. Um, here's what I'd like you to do. Uh, just think back la- over the last year. Just try and pick. What, what, was your, what was your highlight from 2023? Maybe, maybe just close your eyes just to really kind of give yourself a proper chance to do that. Uh, what, what, what really stands out? I know for some people, last year was a tough year, but I hope there's something. Maybe you might even have a top three. What have you got? Okay, now I want you to go further back, right? <laughs> Look back over the last decade. What, what, what's the best memory you've got from the last decade? Maybe we just pick out a year. That was the year. That was the best year over the last 10. Which year was it? Okay, then one last go. Look back. Think, think actually. <laughs> Let's go. For some of you, this might be a very long way back. Over the whole course of your life. What was the best time of your life? You know, what would you say? Those were the glory years. When were you most happy? Okay, if you've got your eyes closed, well... That could be an opportunity for those around you. But uh, just open them. Um, let's, not, let's not do that. Uh, I wonder how that made you, made you feel. Uh, I suspect mixed emotions. But, but um, dra- dredging those files from the memory banks, it, it made you feel something, I'm sure. At least a little something, going back to then, to what you might feel now. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, once wrote, Great is this power of memory. Exceedingly great, my God, a vast and boundless chamber within me. And he, I think, rightly viewed memory as fundamental to our very identity. As he goes on to say that it is in the chamber of my memory, I meet and remember myself. Our memories locate us because they reveal the real us, the story we have lived and like countless other aspects of God's creation, when our memories point us and our affections towards God, then they're a great gift. But when they're given too much attention and they're divorced from God's good intention for them, then they can be a dangerous distraction and even quite destructive to us. Which is why Adam Ramsey, in his book, Faithfully Present, highlights two subtle ways the past tries to invade and hijack our present. The first is nostalgia, which robs us of our present through unhelpful comparison. Like, I wonder, when I just asked you to think of just the best time of your life, what came to mind? Maybe if you've got kids, it was when they were little, and they would climb up onto your lap for a snuggle, or they'd, they'd reach up to hold your hand. I know those, those days are gone, and you didn't realize at the time just 
how much you would miss them. Or maybe it was when you were younger, when you were a child or you were a teenager, and, well, let's face it, life was so much more simple, and uh, all of the burdens and responsibilities of adulthood went on you, and your whole life stretched out before you, just bristling with possibility and potential. Perhaps it was your 20s and 30s. Those can be great times. When you're in your prime, some of you still there, unlike me, when you've still got your strength and your vitality and your optimism, which is why that period of life actually is a time when actually you, you build your best connections, your best friendships, and, and it can be great to catch up with people from that time. And remember the good old days. Reminisce to late on into the night. It's understandable that we treasure these or other high points of our story, longing to have more of them. But the trouble with nostalgia is that like an Instagram filter, it amplifies the colors and the beauty of the past while airbrushing out the flaws and the troubles. That was the case for the Israelites after their rescue from slavery in Egypt. As God leads them out of that into the wilderness, into, into freedom. Well, what is it that they do? They start complaining that they were better off where they were. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also, the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Folks, I don't think I've ever lamented the lack of leeks and cucumbers in my life. <laughs> but, but that's the power of nostalgia, isn't it? Overemphasizing the taste of watery vegetables. <laughs> well, reducing 400 plus years of brutal oppression into just a kind of minor nuisance. I don't think we're too different. When our dreams and plans fail, or we lose a position of influence, or our health, or a loved one. When our present discipleship to Jesus feels tragically and frustratingly less than it used to be. When we find ourselves in a time that feels to us like the wrong time. Don't we have a tendency to Photoshop the past and make it appear better than it actually was? and start grumbling that God has misled us and he's holding out on us. And in doing so, we get distracted and become inattentive to what God wants to say to us and do for us in this season of our life. But I guess not all of our memories are quite so positive, are they? Which is why the second thief is regret, which robs us of our present through condemnation. It could be regret because of a, a missed opportunity. Like I remember when I was 13, I missed a trial for a Premier League football club. Scottish Premier League, I need to add, in case you just get the wrong idea. And Dumbarton Football Club at that, uh, just to disabuse you of the, the notion that it might have been anyone decent. Um, but I used to wonder, just what, my, what my life would have been like if I hadn't got the dates all muddled up and, uh, and pitched up two days late, what would have happened? Maybe I'd be famous. 
for something more than falling down a manhole at Christmas four years ago. If you don't know that story, I'll tell that one to you later. Maybe I'd have my own Wikipedia page by now. Maybe I could be Scotland's most capped football player. Maybe I could have led us to win a World Cup. Okay, the imagination is running a bit too wild there, isn't it? But, but maybe Dumbarton might not have fallen from grace if I'd pitched up that day and now be at the very bottom league in Scottish football. Maybe it was their loss. Okay, all of which is unlikely, I know. But, but I'm sure we've all got missed opportunities that we hark back to. Time misspent that's now trickled through our fingers. Or maybe our regret might be a decision we made or a sin we committed, something which, humanly speaking, now cannot be undone. There are all kinds of what-ifs and if-onlys in our lives, aren't there? Oh, I should have been a better daughter, a better friend, a better husband, wife, a better, better son, a better student, a better wife, a better husband. I should have known better. I should have listened I should never have said that. There are countless moments to which I have to say I, I wish I could return in order to unsay things, unmake decisions, undo behavior. Regret is unavoidable and at times insufferable. As Adam Ramsey puts it, regret calls out to us from the grave of times past demanding that we replay our worst moments and wasted seasons in the hope of a different ending. So how do we stop the past invading the present and robbing us of what God wants to do in our lives today? Well, God's antidote to both nostalgia and regret is to be found in his generous gift to us of the gospel. So, one... Use the gospel to redirect your nostalgia. As with the Israelites in the desert, gratitude, not grumbling, is the right response to good times that have faded into the rear view mirror of our lives. Time and time again in the Old Testament, God's people hear this command. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're told, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The Lord doesn't intend for us to chase after lost joys that evade us. No. Those memories that he's given us remind, uh, he's given us those memories to remind us of who he is and what he has done for us and move us to thankful prayer and praise. We need to remember that our desire for the good old days is a misdirected desire. The longings we have for those high points behind us, God intends to satisfy fully in the time yet ahead of us. True and lasting glory is in our future. Because our future in Christ is 1 Peter 1, verse 4, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Folks, we're looking in the wrong direction. 
We're not meant to pine for a life lived in years gone by, but rather look forward to the eternal life that Christ's death and resurrection guarantee for us. Which is why the Apostle Paul tells us repeatedly, <coughs> time and again, to fix our gaze there. As he says in Colossians 3, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, <coughs> when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Remember the first time our eldest daughter had chocolate? We were such anxious parents, I think, in those days, not wanting to spoil uh, our, uh, our child. That I think she was almost three by the time this happened. Uh, but I remember the look on her face and actually the way her legs just would wriggle away. She was just so excited. You could just see it. It was etched all over her, this sense of kind of like, oh, it doesn't get any better than this. But folks, it was only one chocolate button. So it has got better than that as she has full, discovered the full range of confectionery delights as she's grown up. It's so easy to forget for us, isn't it? That the highest pinnacles of joy in this life are merely a taste of the feast that is on the way when Christ, who is your life, appears. No matter how good your glory days were, in Christ, your glory days are still to be. For the best is yet to come. Here's how Adam Ramsey puts it again. While remembrance of our past is helpful for stoking the fires of prayer and hope, we must refuse to allow it to rule in our hearts today. In the same way that God did not design your body to be sustained today by a meal you had back in 2015, neither does he intend to nourish your soul with the provisions of grace he granted you in the past. No, he wants to give you grace today. He wants you to come to him today, to ask for his provision today, to worship him today, to trust that he is good and he is still doing good today. The God of infinite power of wisdom and goodness and glory will not fail to satisfy those who seek him. We just need to make sure that we are looking for him in the right place and in the right time. I don't know if you can relate to this, but I, I often find it deeply sad to leave a really good holiday, uh, like actually myself and my family did a week ago. Uh, I, I love being your minister here and, and ministering among you at St. Joseph's. But there's, there's just something about closing the door on a holiday house where it just, it's just been a beautiful, restful, peaceful time that I, I just feel this ache of sadness in my gut. And I almost immediately, often, immediately start planning the next holiday in my head. There was one particular time when Fiona and I both felt like this, actually, up in Scotland, a place called Creef Hydra. You may have been there. 
But in that moment, the Lord just gave us this real insight into what it was our hearts were really longing for, that what it was that we were longing for is our future in glory. It's that eternal peace and rest with our loving Lord Jesus in heaven. And that just really helped to calm and soothe our souls. As if you find yourself yearning for a past memory or, or, or wanting to pause and elongate a present one, then drop to your knees and turn that longing into thankful, hope-filled, trusting prayer. And redirect, use the gospel to redirect your nostalgia, pointing all of your desires for the past forward, not back, to the future Christ has secured for us in glory. And then secondly, use the gospel to conquer your regret. While nostalgia needs to be sent forward to the day of our glorification, our regret needs to be pushed further backward to the day of our justification. Backward beyond the hypothetical if-onlys of mislived time. Backward beyond even the day of our birth, backward through the centuries until our regret crosses and coincides with the cross. Which is why the Apostle Paul says, and well, he asks in Romans 8, verse 33, <coughs> who should bring any charge against God's elect? To which the answer could be anyone and everyone. Your own guilty conscience can condemn you. The people around you who, who know you best can throw plenty of mud at you. They can drag up plenty of stories. And the devil is certainly going to accuse you. Do you know that in the Bible, that's in his job description? When it describes what Satan does in Revelation 12, verse 10, it says, the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, like the giant basilisk in Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets, this Satan is the original puzzle tongue, whispering, dripping his venomous lies into our minds, taunting us with our very real sins, yes, as well as some other imagined ones too. Anything to drag us down into shame and condemnation. Call yourself a Christian, he mocks. <laughs> That's just laughable. How long have you been a Christian now? And you still can't get it right. <sighs> Look at how you failed yet again. Why, why would God want to have anything to do with a loser like you? I mean, that's what you are, isn't it? A loser. And you always will be. But folks, if you are a Christian, that may well have stuck before you turned to Christ. But it shouldn't now. Look again at Romans 8, how it goes on. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. As on the cross, Jesus, knowing the very real us, took all of our sin, past, present, future. He took it on himself, paying for it once for all, so we could be set free from it. He endured the shame of it, dying the death of a common criminal 
so that God's verdict on us now is not guilty. And so, your past becomes powerless to convict when you learn to answer it with Paul as he asks, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding, who is speaking for us in our defense. Do you see? We answer the memories that haunt us and Satan's accusations against us by remembering the truth about the God who loves us and has died for us. So you may well be feeling weighed down, burdened by guilt and shame this morning. But I doubt you have more to regret than the Apostle Paul did. I mean, think about it if you know his story. He was, by his own account, a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. He hounded Christians out of their homes. He had them thrown in prison. He sentenced them to death even. Blood was on his hands. At that time, Scripture says, Paul began to destroy the church of Christ. How could he live with himself? When he became a Christian, what did he do with all the sorrow and regret that must have bubbled up within him? Well, Paul explains in 2 Corinthians 7, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. So feeling sorrow for sin is a good thing. It's a godly thing. If, and only if it leads to repentance, it it leads to us confessing our sin and trusting in what Christ has done for us and turning from it and asking God to change us and transform us by his Holy Spirit to live differently, to want to live for him. But godly regret is just a transitional stage. It's a stopping point to move on from. So having repented, it's done its job in Paul. So he then writes in Philippians 3, forgetting what is behind, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God, it'll regret, it's like a chrysalis, you know, for a, a, a caterpillar. It enables us to to leave the wriggling lava of our sin behind and grow the bright wings of repentance so we can fly upward into the salvation promises of God. It is not meant to be carried with us, but discarded once its purpose has been served. No butterfly achieves escape velocity if it carries its former home with with it. And neither should we. Sometimes I think we forget how good it is to be a Christian. How brilliant it is to be a Christian. I mean, if if you are a Christian here this morning, I guess you already know, at least intellectually, that Jesus gives you a better future. But do you know that he also gives you a better past? As you think back over your history, no matter how motley or wasteful it has been, 
Jesus says to you what Joseph says in Genesis 50 to his fearful, regretful brothers. God ordained everything that has happened for your own good and his own glory. To paraphrase John Newton, everything was needful that he sent. Nothing was needful that he withheld. Yes, if you had your time all over again, you would do things differently. But please know this, your father, whose name is love, would not. If there is repenting to be done, repent. Do it today, do not delay. But then set the chrysalis aside and take your place in wonder alongside Joseph's brothers and the rest of God's people and know that you did not fall between the cracks of your own life. For God works all things for the good of those who love him. And he can use even our mistakes and missteps for his ultimate purposes. And there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. (laughs) We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And nothing, absolutely nothing from your past, from your present, from your future can separate you from the love of Christ. To feel that fierce embrace within which no worldly regret can draw breath and send every part of your sin and your guilt and your shame and your condemnation backward to the cross where the voice of Jesus drowns out the taunts of our accuser. Let me pray for us as we seek to do that. Before we sing again, (coughs) let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, this is the day, this is the day that you have made, this one. In your delight and wisdom, you have made, named, and blessed this day, and given it to us as a singular gift. So whatever the challenges and circumstances we're facing in this moment, help us to be glad and rejoice in it. Give us hearts full of wonder, for who you are and all that you have done for us in Christ Jesus. And help us not to be distracted by the glory and the garbage of the past, that we may be attentive and faithfully present to you in the season of life that you have placed us in. For our good and for your glory we pray this. Amen.